Thank you, Lord, for your spirit this morning and the anointing to preach and to teach. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're going to anoint the ears of those here to hear and those online to hear what you have to say. And you'll anoint my lips to speak the word of God accurately and fluently. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that the word and only the word will be presented in truth today. And we'll receive it as such in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, to start with a question, how many of you believe that the Bible is final authority? Final authority. That it supersedes any denominational doctrine. That it supersedes any personal upbringing that you had. Because we all were raised in different things. But the Bible itself must be the final authority concerning Christian doctrine. You agree with me? Yeah. All right. So we're gonna, this morning we're going to look at the Bible and we're going to discuss baptisms. And uh, we're going to answer three questions about baptism. All right. The, f- the first question we want to answer uh, is, what is baptism? What does it mean? The second question we're going to answer is, who does the baptisms? And the third question we're going to answer is, when do you qualify to be baptized? So what we're going to do is we're going to start initially with um, the Greek word for the word baptism, so that you can see what the Greek word means. There are two Greek words that are used throughout the New Testament. If you put them up, <coughs> the first one is baptizio, and the other one is baptisma. And what does it mean? It means to immerse or to submerge. That's very simple. Um, If you don't have a dishwasher at home, then you wash your dishes maybe after a meal or at dinner time, and uh, you may fill a zinc up or you may just run the water. But what you do is you'll take your dish, dirty dish, and you will submerge it under the water, and then you'll wash it once under water, right? So you baptized your dish. (laughs) That's exactly what you did. You submerged it under the water. Very simple. Understand that. Now, I want to do a, a little illustration for you here to demonstrate what the Greeks understood by the word baptism. So, the Greeks, now this is going to stain here. I'm probably going to need some paper. You can give me some paper because this is going to stain. Um, and this is a big piece. I don't need such a big piece. And I need somebody stronger than me. Come on. This, can you tear some of this off or not? Try. It's material. If he can't, nobody can. If that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Thank you. All right. And we didn't rehearse it. It's going well. All right. So what the Greeks said was when they took a piece of cloth, and they put it into a dye that that was the word that they used, baptismo. And you might as well leave it up there for me, please. Baptismo or uh, a baptisma. That was the word that they used. 
So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you something, and when I do this, unfortunately, I'm going to dye my finger, but that's okay. My finger's going to get dyed, all right? So you'll know what's going on. So I'm going to take some of this, and I'm going to do this on it. And as you can see, it has been dyed where those sprinkles arrived. Now, based on the understanding of the word baptisma, has this cloth been baptized? It's been sprinkled. It hasn't been baptized. I took from that and I put it on this, but that's not baptism. So we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to baptize this cloth. All right? There we go. All the way in. It's under the red dye water, and when it comes up, it's absorbed the dye into it. You see that? Yeah. This cloth has now been baptized. Do you agree with me? Yeah. That's how it happened. Now, another word that they used, I should have squeezed it out, but we can always buy another table, right? Clorox will do it. Okay. Uh, another way that they described baptism is when you took one vessel, which is a ladle, and you put it in and you drew out the wine. Then you would have baptized this ladle, or it was water when they went to draw water in the well, and they bucked, dropped the bucket into the well, and they pulled it out, that bucket got baptized. So as you can see, this ladle is now being baptized, and it is filled with what it was baptized into. Right. You with me so far? Yes. So both the cloth and the ladle, when you pull it in, it is filled with what was in this glass container. Now, why is that important? Well, it's very, very important that you understand what baptism really looks like. So I'm going to discuss with you this morning three different baptisms that are in the Bible that every believer has to go through. It's not optional. Every believer has to go through it. And the first baptism is the baptism into Christ and into His body. This is when you, you begin your Christian life, you're baptized into Christ. Can you see who does the baptism? The Holy Spirit does the baptism. You need to understand this very carefully. All right? When you get saved, you are dunked like this cloth in there into Christ's spirit, into Christ's body, and it is the Holy Spirit that does it, not Jesus. When you are in there, you come up, you absorb the Spirit of Christ. Because the Bible says, He who does not have the Spirit of Christ is not of His. So when you are getting saved, when the Holy Spirit is putting you into the body of Christ, you are absorbing like the label or the dye cloth, you're absorbing the Spirit of Christ at the time that you're getting born again. The second baptism is the baptism into water. The baptism into water can be done by any believer. It doesn't have to be done by somebody who's a pastor or somebody in full-time ministry or a deacon or anybody else. Any believer can baptize another person in water. Easy enough? All right. Then the third baptism, which we'll only touch on today, we're not going to spend much time on it, is this. It is the baptism in and with, say in and with, the Holy Spirit. The person who does this baptism is Jesus. Oftentimes, people will say this, have you been baptized by the Holy Spirit? And what they're talking about is, have you received tongues? But it's completely erroneous. 
There is no such baptism. The baptism by the Holy Spirit is when you become a Christian. It's the dunking of the cloth. It is the beginning of the road. You see, when someone receives the Holy Spirit and you're baptized with and in the Holy Spirit, it is Jesus doing it. John the Baptist said that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus was the baptizer. Jesus remains the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Are we good so far? All right. So let's deal with the first one, the baptism into the body of Christ. We're just touching it briefly. And this takes place at repentance. Repentance is when you turn your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ and you ask God to save you. Now, we've been dealing with this over the last four or maybe five weeks. And there's a four-part process in order to become a Christian. Now, I want to go through this with you one more time. We'll take it step by step. How many of you think you can remember, since you might have been here with me over the last four weeks, what is the first step you have to take in order to become a Christian? Anybody? Repent. You're a good class. You don't have to go to Bible school. No, no, you have to go. You're a good class. Okay. So the first one is, and I hope you've got them in order one, by, one at a time, and you're not going to show them all when you bring them up. Have you got them one at a time? You got them all, so we're going to hold on then. I don't want you to show the whole thing. Okay? All right. So number one, repent. Number one, repent. How many think you can remember what the second one was? Well, actually, you know what? You know what? Let's go back to before we repent. Let's go back, let's go back to before we repent. What's going to happen before you repent? You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. Thank you so much. You have to go back to Bible school. So you have to acknowledge that you're a sinner. Because you can't repent until you realize you're wrong. You have to acknowledge you're a sinner. That would be step one. Step two would be repent. Step two would be repent. And in your repentance, you turn your life over to God. You turn away from your old life and you turn your life towards God. Correct? Then number three would be believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Now, some of you think, well, shouldn't that be number one? No, no. Because you see, a lot of people believe in Jesus, but they're not Christians. Even the devil believes in Jesus, but he's not a Christian. There's a lot of folk. In fact, most people who go to church are not Christians. That's all right. You want to start the car now so I can get up? Uh, why do I say that? Is because they're going through just the, the habit of going to church and they, they, they think that they're, they're doing okay, but they've never repented. So believing in Jesus becomes the third aspect that you have to do. And then the fourth one would be to receive Jesus as Lord. Receive Jesus as Lord. A lot of people receive Jesus as Savior, want to go to heaven. God, forgive me, I want to go to heaven, but are not willing to make Jesus the Lord of their life. They're not willing to submit to what Jesus, hence the song we did, I surrender all. The fourth part is I surrender all. I surrender all, Jesus be my Lord. If He's your Lord, you do what He says, correct? All right, otherwise He's not your Lord. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? You're out there, you're going home. All right, all right, so hear me carefully. You cannot grow into becoming a Christian. Because you might have been raised 
by godly parents. Say, well, and I'll tell you a true story. I was on the island vacationing, and wherever I get opportunity, I witness. Now, this island was predominantly Catholic people. And I was sharing with this person about receiving Jesus, and they said to me, this man said to me, no, I was born a Christian. I said, how do, how do you figure that? He said, my parents are Catholic, and when I was born, I was born a Catholic, so I'm a Christian. I was born a Christian. I said, that doesn't happen, man. As you got born in a garage, you wouldn't be a car. I said, you don't adopt your parents' religion just because you're born into that religion. All right? Now, they are like the Jewish and Islamic people. You adopt their religion because you got born into it, and that's all there is to it. But you're not going to grow into becoming a Christian. So we are baptized then by the Spirit of God into Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, it says, For we are all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. This is what the drinking, you saw that when the ladle thing? That was the drinking. We were all given that one spirit to drink. Now, let me do another illustration. And let me talk about, we're still talking about being baptized into the body of Christ. Okay? So, um, this, this, this die now represents you. This still represents Jesus like the other one did. Still represents Jesus. Okay, So this is the Spirit of Christ right here. This is being a Christian. And here's you. Okay, So here you come along and you get real close. Are you in Christ or not? But you're close enough to have a look at other people who are in Christ. And you think that you're like them. You even go to church with them. Look, look, you can see what that looks like, but this is either in here or it's not in here. This is not in here. This is close, but it's not in. This person could be going to church. This person could be singing the songs. This person could be giving. This person, if you ask them, do you believe? They said, yep, I believe. I can see, I can see what it looks like, I believe. But they're not inside. Are you with me? Yeah. So here we go. Now we take you and we baptize you in to Christ. Now you're in. Now you're in. You're part. You're in. You're in. It's not a case of am I in or not in. You're in. <laughs> Hello, say I'm in. I'm in. Or can you see that you're in? Okay, so now you've been baptized into Christ. You've been baptized into Christ. This is still not water baptism, even though we've done a lot of water here. <laughs> we've baptized you into Christ. That's just what's happened. Look, Galatians 3.27. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. Have you been clothed with Christ? Can you see that? You're surrounded. You're surrounded. You're clothed with Christ. You got baptized into Christ when you got saved, now you're clothed with Christ. So, you're in. You're saved. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Say, I'm saved. I'm saved. All right. Let's move to the next baptism, the baptism of water. I think we've got that one done. The baptism of water 
takes place after you're in here. Now the baptism is going to take place. So you're inside. You got it? Now it's going to take place. So in order to get in here, you had to repent. You had to acknowledge that you were a sinner. You had to turn from your old ways, had received Jesus as Lord and Savior, and now you're in. So now you're a Christian. Now we're going to baptize you in water according to the Bible. So, water baptism does not save you. It comes after you're saved. It doesn't cleanse you from your sin. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ cleanses you from your sin. However, everybody say but. A lot of buts in church. But it is an integral part of the salvation process. An integral part. In fact, every place in the book of Acts, which is the history of the church, where someone got saved, it is recorded that they got baptized in water. Every single place. That says something, doesn't it? Ah, that's important. Okay, so now. It's an integral part of the salvation process. Let me show you this. In order to become a Christian, in order to get saved, remember the four things we went through. You've got to acknowledge you're a sinner. You have to repent. You have to receive Jesus. Believe on Jesus. Now, of those four, which one do you think you could leave out and still be saved? No? So what about number three if you said... I believe in Jesus, but I haven't repented. Would you be saved? So you see, all four are necessary, and this is why I said so many people in church think they're Christians, but they haven't acknowledged they're a sinner, repented of their sin, and received Jesus as Lord and Savior. They haven't done it. They haven't put their whole heart and faith into it. So they've missed out one of the parts. Now, when it comes to water baptism, they are also Three parts that have to be fulfilled. Let's have a look at a scripture. All right. Um, Acts 2.38. Peter said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, if you haven't repented and you get baptized in water, you will go in a dry sinner and come out a wet sinner. <laughs> Nothing would have changed. Nothing would have changed. Okay? And this happens a lot when people don't understand what water baptism is. For example, so many people will travel to Israel and then they'll go to the Jordan. And when they get there, there's a baptism service that happens. And they go, yeah, well, I was baptized when I was this and that, but I want to get baptized again in the Jordan. Why? Are you telling me you're not saved? Or is it a religious thing you want to do because you don't understand what water baptism signifies? It's okay if you haven't showered for a week. By all means, get baptized. In fact, we might even push you in. This scripture says, repent 
be baptized and your sins will be forgiven. And then it says you will receive the Holy Spirit. See that? Can you, can you see it in there? Repent, number one. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. So the forgiveness of your sins come, number three, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, number four. So here's your question. Another question to you. I'm full of questions this morning. Which of those four do you think or do you believe is no longer valid and no longer required? Which one? Repent, you don't have to do that. Baptized, you don't have to do that. You don't have to be forgiven of your sin, and you don't have to receive the Holy Spirit. Which one of those four, or any of them, do you think is no longer valid or necessary? And if you think that, who told you? Who said so? Did your denomination say so? Were you raised by somebody who said so? Because this is the Apostle Peter speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit. He said you have to do this. It's written in the Bible. It's written in the Bible we have to do it. And nowhere in the Bible does it ever say, okay, no longer needed to repent. We're all cool now. No longer needed not to be baptized. Not necessary. Don't have to do that. No longer needed to have your sins forgiven and no longer necessary to have the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are reading the Bible this morning, correct? You all agreed with me when I started. The Bible is final authority. You agree that's final authority then? That's what the Word says, so that's what we're going to go with. All right? So, now this is the typical order. This is the usual order. Repent, be baptized, and then you receive the Holy Spirit. There are some exceptions to the rule, and we'll look at one of those exceptions later on today. But here we go. With this information in, in mind, since now we've realized that repentance must happen first, it is reasonable to deduce that the person who is about to, to be baptized is mature enough to understand that they are a sinner and they need to repent. Because baptism happens after you repent. And you repent when you realize you're a sinner. Acknowledge you're a sinner, repent, and get baptized. So in order to be baptized, you have to be Mature enough or old enough to understand that you're a sinner. However, listen carefully to me, age is not the definitive matter or factor. It isn't. What is? What is? Is the comprehension of sin. When you understand that you're a sinner, you're old enough to repent. And it doesn't matter if you're six years old or 16 years old. It doesn't matter. When you are old enough to comprehend, I have sinned and need to repent. That is the age. Now, having said that, I just want to say this to you. That there is no place in the Scriptures at all that record anybody being christened. I christened that cloth to start with this morning. Remember, I took Jesus and I dipped and spread it on. And you all agreed it wasn't baptized. So the cloth was christened, was sprinkled. But you all agreed it wasn't baptized. So, christening would have to follow repentance of sin if it had any valid place. Because repentance 
precedes water baptism. Now, the way I understand being submerged under the water, that christening in no way represents submersion. Yeah? Okay? It doesn't. There's, there's, there's nothing that, lo- that even appears to be similar. So you see, here's, here's the thing. We ask people this question. We say to them, have you been baptized in water? Or have you been baptized? And those who were raised in a denomination, who were christened, they will say, yes, I was baptized when I was young, or I was christened when I was a baby. They will say that. So what we really should be asking people is not whether you've been baptized. We should be asking people is, have you been submerged in water? Because now we're giving the true meaning of the word baptism. Have you been submerged? Right? That's what we should be asking. And they'll go, no, no. Okay, now we're on the same page. Because people have different ideas of what baptism means. Acts 8 and 12 says this. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both and men and women. Notice this. When they believed, they were baptized. So believing took place before water baptism. As I said, you need to repent, acknowledge your sinner, and then believe. When you've believed, now you can be baptized. If you haven't believed, you can't be baptized. Or let me say submerged or immersed. So... Immersion, and I'm now trying to explain what it means. Immersion or submersion in water is actually an outward showing of an inward work of grace. God has done something inside of you. This is what's happened. You are now in Christ. But you know what? When you get baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit, I cannot see it. Nobody else can see it. We do not know that you've become a Christian, we can't tell there's any outward change. If you had blue eyes before, you have blue eyes afterwards. If you're 60 years old, you're still 60 years old. If you're a fast runner, you're still a fast runner. If you're skinny like me, then you're still skinny. What are you laughing at? The outward doesn't change. But something inward has changed. So, water baptism is an identification with Christ. In his death on the cross, his burial in water, a burial in the ground, and then the rising in the resurrection. It's an identification. It's a symbol. It symbolizes something. We've all partaken of the communion, the bread and the wine. The bread represents his broken body and the wine his blood, correct? But is this his body and is this his blood? No. no. But it symbolizes his bread, the bread and the body and the, and the blood, doesn't it? It symbolizes. And we partake of it by faith as a symbol of what happened on the cross. Correct? Water baptism is partaking as a symbol of Jesus dying on the cross, being buried, and being raised from the dead. It symbolizes, just like communion symbolizes. So, it is, water baptism is a physical, 
outward demonstration of something that has happened inward. There's been an, a spiritual experience when a person got born again inwardly, and this is the outward. So in other words, water baptism is a burial service and a resurrection celebration at the same time in one event. It's a death and a resurrection. What are we doing? We are burying the old man. When you get born again, the new man is now born again. What happens to the old man? You've got to bury the old man. And when you don't bury the old man, you carry him around with you for the rest of your life. And by now he stinketh. <laughs> Never mind Lazarus after four days. Imagine you've been there after four years. And you've still got the old man you're carrying around. And truly, he has to be buried so that you can rise in newness of life. Look at Colossians 2, verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism. Clear. And raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Romans 6, 4. And we, therefore, buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Do you see it? Do you see the word burial? I'll ask you, how does christening in any way look like a burial service? Hello. There's only one thing it looks like, and this is it. Now, as you know, we were born and raised in Africa. And we had a home on a, on a river. And I've got some pictures I just want to show you of what this river looked like. That's our house up there. And this is the river. And we could clearly see the river from our home. I've got a couple more pictures Show another one. Pretty river. That's our house back there. And uh, as you can see, there's a nice wide river. You see there's a bank on this side. There's a bank on that side. Give me one more picture. Okay, yeah. They just got baptized in mud, didn't they? That's what kids used to do when they were young, right? Play in the mud. Do we have another picture or not? No? Okay, back up one. Back up one and leave it, leave it at that. Okay, so this is what happened. Um, we used to see uh, from time to time, maybe once a month or once every two or three months, a group of Africans would come down on the one side of the river and uh, they were going to do a baptism service. And what they would do is there were two groups of people on one side of the, of the bank and on the other side of the bank. And on the one side, the people wearing white robes and they were singing the songs of Zion. On the other side, there were a group of people that were just standing around. Now, the people standing around were either going to be baptized or it was friends or relatives of those that are going to be baptized. Now, what would happen... Somebody would come out the one group that were not singing and would get into the water. And when they got into the water, they would walk backwards looking at their friends. They're walking backwards looking at all their friends. They're not singing. They're just walking back in the river looking at their friends and uh, basically waving. That represented their old life. Now they got baptized in water. And when they got baptized in water, they turned them around. Their back was too the people that they had left behind. And now they were walking towards the other side of the river to where their new friends were. 
And guess what? Now they were singing as they were walking towards the other side of the river. And when they got there, they put a white robe on them. That typifies exactly what baptism is all about. You turn your back on your old way of life when you get baptized. And you turn towards the new life. You buried, raised, and now you're going to the new life and you receive the white robe. And now you sing along with the Christians. You've said goodbye to that way of life. You got it? Okay. Now, the question is, when should we get baptized? Well, do you remember uh, the Philippian jailer when Paul and Silas were thrown into jail? And they were singing worship songs in the middle of the night. And uh, the angel came and shook the place up and uh, freed them. And what happened was that the jailer thought they'd escaped. And he rushes in and wants to kill himself. And Acts chapter 16 and verse 30, Paul says, no, we're still here. So the jailer brings them out and he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Valid question. Good question. And Paul says to them, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Now that apparently contradicts what I've been saying because it doesn't say repent. It just says believe. But hang on. The word is deeper than that. Look what happens. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. So he told them you have to believe on Jesus. Then he sat down and gave them a Bible study about sin and about judgment and about Jesus being the Christ. And he laid this all out for them. It's not recorded, but we know what Paul preached. So this is what he preached to them. Then they repaired, they, they, they patched up their wounds cleaned them, washed the wombs, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. So the question is how soon should you get baptized? If we say immediately. immediately. You should get baptized as soon as possible following your confession of faith in Jesus Christ. What are the qualifications for water baptism? What, do you, what, what, what qualifies you to be baptized? Well, let me give you another one. Remember Philip, he gets told by the angel to go out into the desert area, and he finds this Ethiopian riding in the chariot. Remember that? Acts chapter 8, verse 36. And he was going along the road, and he, well, he had been preaching to him out of the book of Isaiah. And the Ethiopian eunuch says to him, Look, look, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? So obviously, Philip had told him the need of being baptized. Don't you think? How would he have known that water baptism was necessary if Philip didn't, as part of the salvation message, say, listen, you've got to believe on Jesus, you've got to repent, and then you've got to be baptized in water. He knew that. That's why he asked for water. He said, well, there's water. What's stopping me from being baptized? And that's a good question. What is hindering you from being baptized? What's stopping you from being baptized? And Philip answers him, if you believe with all your heart, you may. So again, he says, if you believe. Now watch his answer. This eunuch says to him, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It is imperative that you believe who Jesus is in order to be baptized. You have to believe that He is the Son of God. You have to believe that He's the Savior. You have to put your whole heart and faith in Jesus Christ. You can't just believe He's a good teacher. You can't believe he's a prophet. 
You can't believe that he was a good man and he was this or that. You have to believe that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then and then only may you be baptized in water. So, in order that, so he ordered the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. Then they came up out of the water. I'll ask you something. He didn't stop by the side of the water and say, just kneel with me here a moment, Mr. Eunuch. Just kneel here. Let's get some water out and let's sprinkle you a dish. Okay, there you go. You're baptized. He didn't do that. The Bible says he went down. They went down into the water. They're in the water. They went down into the water. And when he baptized him, then it says when he came up out of the water, total immersion. Total immersion, submerged in the water. Not a sprinkling. You with me? No sprinkling. I'm trying to show you that the word baptism cannot be compared to a sprinkling. You've got to go down under the water because of what it represents, what it means to him. Okay? Now, water baptism is your very first act of obedience in order to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And it is not a suggestion. Well, it's just not convenient. I go to church. I wear nice clothes. When are we going to be baptized? You want, what do you want me to go? In front of everybody? Yeah, yeah, in front of everybody. You've got to get into a baptism outfit. Or we can baptize you in what you're wearing. It's warm enough in California, it dry out quickly. But you're going to get baptized all the way into water and come out of the water, all right? Just like they did over here, baptized. So it's not a suggestion. Actually, baptism is part of the Great Commission. Great Commission. This is what Jesus said. Do you all know who Jesus is? The Christ, the Son of the living God, our Lord, our Savior, the one whom we're serving, the one who died for us. Right? He said this in Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told us to do this. So my question is, which man or denomination has the authority to tell us it's no longer necessary or we don't have to do what Jesus told us to do? Who... Do they think they are telling you, you don't have to do this? When Jesus said, you must repent and be baptized, the apostles said, repent and be baptized, people who say that will stand accountable before God because it's necessary as part of the salvation process to repent, to be baptized and have your sins forgiven and receive the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. This is not what the promised church says. This is not what Pastor Henry says. This is what the Bible says. This is what Jesus said. So I'm going to follow Jesus. What about you? I'm going to follow Jesus. Okay? So water baptism and receiving the Spirit are very closely connected. You're from the very first scripture we read this morning. Let me tell you one story and we'll be done. You know the story of Cornelius, the Gentile, uh, who the angel appears and says, go and find Peter and he will tell you words to... By which you can be saved. So Peter comes to Gentiles, and they're all sitting there. The Cornelius household is there. 
all the people who work for him are there. His relatives are there and his close friends are there. And Peter begins to preach to them about Jesus Christ. He preaches. Okay? Now, in Acts chapter 10, the story is recorded. Acts chapter 10 means it's approximately 10 years after Jesus' ascension to heaven. Each chapter in the book of Acts is approximately one year after the ascension of Jesus. So this is 10 years into the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all of them who heard the message. The circumcised believers that were within, that was the Jews that had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. How did they know that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on them? For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. That's how they knew. That's how they knew. So you see exactly what happened there. Pentecost happened again 10 years later, this time with the Gentiles. The Gentiles were just excluded out of being Christians. They were excluded out of salvation until this happens. And now Peter says, wow, look at these guys. They're all talking in tongues. There's a massive church service going on, and they're all talking in tongues. For they heard them speaking in tongues. So what do we have here? We have a church service where everybody's talking in tongues and nobody's interpreting. Right in the Bible. For those who think you can't speak in tongues unless there's an interpreter. Oh, the Holy Ghost didn't know that. He filled everybody and made them all talk in tongues and nobody interpreted. Peter, I'm going to hold you responsible. Then, then Peter says to them, can anyone keep these people from being baptized in water? The very next thing, they had given their life to Christ, they're talking tongues, the very, very next thing. When do you qualify? Immediately. When should you get baptized? Immediately. The very next thing Peter says to them, baptize these people. They received the Holy Spirit just as we did. And verse 48, he suggested He requested, sign up for a baptism. When you feel you're ready, if you want to become part of our church, do you all know what ordered means? You understand what ordered means? If I order you to do something, am I asking you nicely to do it? Or am I telling you, do it. Just do it. <laughs> Peter said to them, just do it. He didn't ask them. He didn't ask them. He said, do it. He ordered them. He ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Mm, I'm feeling really authoritative this morning. Okay. The last... Can you do one more? Yeah, okay, real quick. So Paul travels to Ephesus. This is in the year 19, 19 years after the ascension. So it's, it's going on for a long time. He comes to Ephesus and he finds certain disciples. These were already believers. He finds them and he asks them, guys, um, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they go, the Holy what? He says, the Holy Spirit. He says, say what? He said, the Holy Spirit. Have you received the Holy Spirit? And they go, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. 
Haven't even heard. So he says, well, what were you baptized? I said, John, John baptism. Oh, so John's baptism was baptism of repentance. Well, you need to be baptized in Jesus because it's no longer repentance. We moved on from there. So then, when they heard this, they were baptized. Acts 19, verse 5. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then when Paul laid his feet upon them, are you reading along with me? Okay. When he laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. Verse 7 says, which is not up there, there were 12 people. There were 12 men. What do we have here? Here we have a situation where 12 people were filled with the Holy Ghost after they were baptized and water hands were laid on, and they were all talking in tongues, and nobody was interpreting. The second church service that we just seen in the New Testament. Hello. It's awful quiet in the synagogue this morning. They were baptized in water, hands were laid on them, and they began speaking in tongues. Nineteen years later, people are still being filled with the Holy Ghost, still speaking in tongues. A sign of what had happened in them. All right. So, for those of you who are going to get baptized today, let me explain to you very briefly what's going to happen. You're going to be asked, when you get in the water, you're going to be asked to make a confession of your faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, you're going to be saying, do you believe that Jesus is your Savior and your Lord? You're going to have to answer that question. You're going to have to say yes. Then you're going to be asked, have you forsaken your worldly ways and turned your life over to God because you realize that your worldly ways were unacceptable to God? And you turn to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you're going to be asked, are you willing to follow Christ as a lifestyle? You're going to follow Him as a lifestyle and follow Jesus' commandments. And then lastly, you're going to be asked, are you requesting water baptism? Are you requesting water baptism? Because you want everybody looking on, everybody watching to know that you're burying the old man and that you're rising as a new man to follow Christ, to live the Christ life. And you want all of these witnesses to hold you accountable. That you said you're bearing the old man, and you said you're going to live for Christ. And if you don't, you're allowing us to speak into your life, because you did it publicly. You said, this is who I am. I've changed my ways. Hold my feet to the fire. I promise you I'm changing my ways. I'm making a commitment. I'm going to serve Christ with all of my life. You're the witness that I'm saying this. You're a witness that I believe I have been born again inside. And then we're going to baptize you under the water, completely submerged. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, by the authority of Jesus' name. Down you go. Unfortunately, the person doing the baptism stutters. In the name... In, in the, the name, no, he doesn't. Thank God he doesn't, right? So he'll be coming straight out the water. You don't have to worry how, how long you're going to be underwater. When you come up out of the water, you're going to have an exhilarating experience like you've never had. A contact with God that will thrill you through and through. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, just raise your hands and begin to pray in tongues. And I guarantee you, you will not want to get out the water. It's going to be such an amazing experience. If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, we've read to you three or four accounts today where people who got baptized came out speaking in tongues. Hands related on them. If you haven't, 
Just receive. At that point where they lay hands on you and they're praying with you, you just receive and you say, thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit and begin to pray. And out will come a river of tongues by the Holy Ghost filling you. So that is what's going to happen to you this afternoon. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. All right, let's all stand. Let's all stand. Have the lights down just for a moment. So I want to offer you an opportunity for those this morning that may have, for the first time, really understood what it means to become a Christian. You may have first, for the first time, realized, oh my goodness, I've always thought I was a Christian because I believe on Jesus. But I don't remember ever repenting by acknowledging that I was a sinner and that Christ died for me. And God, I want to give you my life. I want to turn my life over to you. I believe on you with all my heart. Jesus be my Lord. So you thought you were a Christian, but you know now that there has to be a time in your life because it doesn't matter how you were raised. It doesn't matter if you're raised in a godly home. It doesn't matter if you're raised in a godly denomination. That is not the issue. The issue is between you and God. Have you gone through the process of committing your life to Jesus and asking Him to save you and to forgive you? If you haven't, with every eye closed right now, say, Pastor Henry, that's me. I'm amazed. I did not realize this. I'm amazed at what you've said today. I honestly want to become a Christian. I want to go to heaven. I want to have my sins forgiven. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to repent. Wherever you are, if that's you, just raise your hand. God brought you to this place to hear this simple sermon that you could, be, that you could receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm looking around the congregation. Thank you so much for those who've raised their hands. Thank you so much. Now I want to ask those who are already Christians but haven't received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You've heard. It's all through the Bible. It's all through the Bible. You want to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit so you can also talk in tongues. You want to receive the Holy Spirit as part. Repent, be baptized, sins forgiven, receive the baptism. Receive the Holy Spirit. And that's you. And you realize today you need to go all the way. If that's you and you want to receive today, wave your hand wherever you are. Just wave your hand. I'm looking around the congregation. You want to receive the Holy Spirit today? Anybody? All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you for those hands. Then another question. You have already put your name down to be baptized in water today. So I'm not talking to you. But perhaps you're here this morning and you did not put your name down to be baptized in water. You didn't understand it. You didn't think it was necessary. But now you know and understand because God has spoken to you. You say, Pastor Henry... I fully comprehend that I need to be baptized because, you know, I love Jesus with all my heart and I need to go all the way with Him. If that's you, would you raise your hand this morning? Say, I'm going to get baptized today. I'm going to get baptized today. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. All right. Now, those who raised their hands to receive Jesus, to receive the Holy Spirit, to be baptized for the first time. Would you slip out of your chair and come stand with me so I can pray with you? Slip out of your chair. Thank you so much. Come down and stand with me. Come on, come stand down here with me. Thank you. Come stand here. Stand right here. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? Waiting for anybody else? Raise their hand. I didn't see them. Somebody else? Okay. All right. Well, you're the brave one. Some people did raise their hand, but they didn't come. But you're the brave one. 
it indicates to me that you have a heart that's determined, a heart that's full of integrity, a heart that's faithful, and someone who will do what they say. You will do what you say. You can do what you say. I believe that. I believe that about you. You're not a coward. You'll stand up and do what's right. I believe God's going to do some great things for you. Okay? What's your name? Jacob. Say again. Jacob. Jacob? Yes. Jacob. Well, we're going to have to change your name to Israel. <laughs> when we get baptized, we'll change your name to Israel. Pray this. Dear God, pray with me. Dear God, Dear God I come to you today. I come to you today. Just as I am. Just as I am. I know. I know. That I need to repent. That I need to repent. And have you forgive me. And have you forgive me. I turn my life over to you. I turn my life over to you. And I promise to serve you. And I promise to serve with you. With all of my heart. With all of my heart. I thank you. I thank you. For speaking to me today. For speaking to me today. And I promise you I will follow you. I promise that I'll follow you. All the days of my life. All the days of my life. Jesus come into my life. Jesus come into my life. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. You fill me. You fill me. To overflowing today. To overflowing today. And help me to live this life. Help me live this life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Jacob, congratulations. God bless you. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Pastor Brian to speak with you a little bit. Give him one of the books, maybe take him into the prayer room. Okay? Alright. Now, those of you who are being baptized today, can you come out? I want to pray over you quickly. Those who are being baptized, come down quickly. I want to pray a prayer over you. Come and stand down here. Give them a hand clap as they come. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Very cool. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now you stretch your hands out towards them. Let's pray over them. Father God, I thank you for these that are going to follow you all the way today. They've put aside all doctrine. They are they're putting their life in your hands. They are totally committing themselves to follow you all the way. I thank you, Lord, that they have repented, that they are born again, that they have been baptized into Christ. And today they're going to follow you in obedience to be baptized in water. We pray over them in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that they will flow in the Holy Ghost like never before in Jesus' precious name. Give them a hand clap. Praise God. Amen. Congratulations. Congratulations. All right. Congratulations. Praise God. All right. Now what we're going to do is we're going to pray over the food. So we don't have to do it at the poolside, right? Everybody running around? We'll do it right now. Amen. Are you happy to pray over the food? All right. Let's pray. Father, we bless the food in the name of Jesus. We thank you for those who've prepared, those who've helped, all the workers that are out there preparing for us to come. We ask you to bless them. And we thank you, Lord, that as we partake of this food, it'll be for our nutritional health. We're going to get healthier by eating this food. In Jesus' name, we believe that. Everybody said, Amen. Now, Bible College, all the Bible College people that haven't given in your applications, please come on down. In the name of Jesus, be baptized. Hallelujah. Have a good week. We'll see you on Sunday.